Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you'll be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. If you've been inspired by the guests that we've had on the podcast, please like, subscribe, comment, hit notification bells, whatever you can do on the platforms that you're listening on, so that more people have the opportunity of hearing these and engaging in our community. Hi everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne. Our guest today is Clive Urquhart. Clive, for people that don't know who you are, could you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do? Yeah, great. Thanks for the invitation today uh, to be uh, just on the on the, the program with you. Yeah, so my name's Clive Urquhart. I lead a church and ministry called Kingdom Faith, uh, which is based just south of London in the UK in a town called Horsham. And it's, it's really a, a network or a family of churches around the UK. And we have a number of others in different parts of Europe. Uh, really, the heart of, of, of who we are is very much kind of revival and uh, breakthrough and God moving and transforming the nation. And at the heart of that is, is really disciples making disciples, living the life that God has called us to so that we can be effective where we are in and around our lives, but also partnering with churches all over the nation to see God move and, and in, in an unprecedented way in our in our nation. So that's a bit about who we are um, in terms of just the, the essence of it. Um, my, my dad originally founded uh, Kingdom Faith, uh, Colin Urquhart, uh, back in the late 70s. He was an Anglican minister in the late 60s and 70s. They had a move of the spirit in the church as part of the renewal movement at the time in the, in the country. And as a result, they started seeing a lot of people getting saved, lots of miracles, amazing things happening. And he, he started to travel all over the world, really, not just taking a message, but helping churches, uh, movements of churches, networks of churches, really come into a, a dynamic of the spirit um, that that he and and the church back then in in Luton in the seventies had come into, and so Kingdom Faith as a as a church stroke ministry really was birthed out of a move of God uh, from in the seventies, and we've sought to continue really in in a move of God in a flow of the Spirit uh, since that since that time. So uh, we have a, a, a great legacy. My dad passed away about 16 months ago to, in September 2021. Uh, and uh, so my wife and I kind of head up and oversee Kingdom Faith and everything it does. And um, But very much carrying on that, that, that legacy, that mandate, that vision um, that, that God has been working out for the last few decades. So, uh, yeah, so it's a real privilege to, to, to be doing what we do and to be with you guys today. Yeah, for people that listen to us, they say, I like Clive. Um, I want to find out more about him, maybe hear some of his teachings. Where can they do that? Uh, yeah, we have a website uh, called kingdomfaith.com. And if you go onto the, uh, the podcast uh, pages there, there's lots of audios, there's lots of videos. Of, uh, of of my own teaching, my wife Jane, other guys in our team. There's lots of on there of my dad's teaching as well over there. So there's a, there's a really good library of of, uh, of teaching there. Kingdomfaith.com. Okay. So before we go on to um, 
what's happening today, what's on your heart, etc. Um, looking back at the legacy you've inherited from your dad, whose shoulders you are standing on even today, what, right. what are a few lessons that you look back and think, this, I learned this from my dad and it has been foundational in enabling me to move forward either personally or in ministry? Hmm. Yeah, I think um, maybe one that isn't maybe so obvious uh, to start with. When I, when I was growing up, my parents never forced God on me. Um, they very much uh, obviously grew up in a Christian home and God was part of the conversation uh, every day. And I think with what my parents were doing and how they lived, I saw God change people's lives. I saw people getting healed. I saw people who had a lot of trouble, a lot of pain in different ways in their lives, becoming completely different people as I was growing up. Uh, I saw the reality of God at work and and they never pressured myself or my sisters uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, you've got to give your life to the Lord, you've got to do this, you've got to do the other. I think they very much kind of knew that if we see God at work, God will become real in in our own lives, and and I, I think for me as a teenager, um, lots of uh, teenagers can walk away from God for what you know for various reasons, put of the world and everything. But for me, I just thought God is real. Um, I've I've seen Him do stuff, and I can't, I could never turn my back on Him. And and I, the phrase I, I would understand that now, as there was a kind of fear of the Lord there. In, in a healthy way and and so i think one of the things for me was they they lived what they taught and i saw god at work in people's lives and and i think that for me was was a, a, um shaped i think my own life that it's more important what i live and what other people see than how much i know and how much i can say and I, I, I think, you know, we in the Western church, we have a very knowledge-based Christianity um, and not so much a, a really living this thing out in a very practical way. Um, and I think God wants to shift us from knowledge-based to, when I say experiential-based, I mean actually living it out in practice. So I think that would be one of the key things. Uh, both my parents were people of prayer. They loved the word. Uh, they love to worship. Um, I, I, I think for me, I just saw God was real in their lives, and and God was first. And and I, growing up as a as a kid, I, I I knew for my dad that God was first in his life, and and God was first before uh, even my mum was for him and us as kids were. But and that might sound a, a weird thing to say um, to people. Because you think, well, but actually, that that for me taught me if 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 God is first, if God is right at the heart of, of my life, then I, I'm not saying if you do that, everything's going to be blessed and looked after, and it's going to be amazing. Because we have challenges if we walk with God. Um, but if you put God first, you're going to have a healthy marriage. You're going to have a healthy family. Uh, in that sense, and um, and I think that's what I experienced. I think the reality of um, uh, in that way, so that they live what they taught, basically. And I think that's the principle that hits me the most. Yeah, 
I think one of the most challenging scriptures in the Bible, one of them, is when Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Mm. I mean, that is that is experiential learning, that is experiential discipleship, as Jesus did with his disciples. But I th- that is obviously what your dad lived, so you, he, you could say from him, I have imitated you as you have Christ. And I think that is a yeah. high, high, high calling, a high honour and... Um, I love that that's what you chose to say about your dad. Well, you know, your overall perspective in terms of God, Christianity, obviously from from your parents was a a positive outlook. Um, Mm. What about of ministry? So you saw your your parents involved with ministry. Um, How did that impact you as a kid? And did you, was it a positive one in that you then wanted to go into ministry or were you like, nah, I'm going a different direction. I'm cool with God, <laughs> but I wanted to do something else. Maybe not this ministry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I grew up with this sense of, uh, um, I'm going to end up doing the same kind of thing as my parents. That's what was going on in the back of my, my mind and my heart. I think, um, I was quite shy as a, as a growing up. And and I thought I I I can't see myself doing that, even though I had this sense of I know I think that's what I'm going to end up doing, in some way or other. Um, I I don't think anything that I grew up with or experienced. We we grew up in like having loads of people live with us over the years, people that needed help, they had problems of all kinds, and that's partly how we saw you know I saw people's lives being changed, and and so sharing your life, your home is something my wife and I have done. Since we were married, uh, we've been married for over 35, nearly 36 years. And we've had people living with us, extended household, family during all of that time as well. And so I think I, I've, I've never separated in my mind because uh, uh, ministry from your life in that sense. And, and that's what I saw growing up, that, that the way you live um, – is 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 part of what god does in your life so it's not like i've never seen ministry as a job or what i do as a job yes there's work involved but it's but it's not a job it's it's the life that you you live and and so i think um my whole i suppose understanding of life and what god's all about was shaped by by seeing what my parents were living what god was doing uh, in that way and and i think maybe just one other thing that I, that really hit me when I was growing up. One of the things my dad used to say is, is um, n- never do anything unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do it. It's like um, listen to the voice of God, know His voice in your life, and then whatever He says, do it. And if He doesn't say, if He's not saying do something, don't do it. And it's that I think that obedience or listening to His voice was another thing that really shaped. My relationship with God, I can remember he had books and books, notebooks of just filled with things the Lord was talking to him about and speaking. And so, again, I grew up doing that, just writing down all the things that God was was saying to me. So I think that listening to the Holy Spirit, doing what he's saying, and not just following the crowd of maybe what everybody else might be doing church-wise, but that might be trendy or the latest thing, in that sense, but very much like do what the Holy Spirit is, is showing you. Uh, be obedient to his voice in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds a bit like um, one of the things that we say to people is that you know, people have this uh, God ministry family. 
and you have this ranking and then everyone has to rank them in a different order and, <laughs> uh, and um you know people often ask us you know what what is the order of the, how do we how do we do this and we're like no it's the wrong question um but the answer is integration it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about is you know actually ministry our family everything we did god it was all just integrated together it wasn't kept in these different departments um so it's really cool uh, you just mentioned that you were really shy growing up um mm. was there a moment where your being shy and being in ministry clashed and uh how, or how did you overcome the shy element uh, people won't believe this but my mum when she was just not not long ago but well, you're, you're a bit younger I was trying to underplay the age thing but um, uh, <laughs> she used to be really really shy to the point where she wouldn't even put her, her hands up in church because yeah. she thought everyone would look at her um, now I mean people would be like no way I can't believe that but yeah was there a moment for you where that helped you to overcome that element uh, I, I think um, it's probably over a period of time that that changed, but I, I think the there was one there was one year when I was kind of seventeen and eighteen around that age after just finishing education. I, I was I was I was playing drums at the time, and uh, a guy called Ian Smale Ishmael oh, yeah. um, was I happened to meet him somewhere, and he said, "Do you want to travel with me and play the drums or whatever?" And I was like, "Yeah, great." So for a year. I, I just worked with him, travelled with one or two other guys that were working with him. And just in worship times, he would um, say, right, so the drummer's going to come forward and he's got prophetic words for people in the room and he's just going to point you out and prophesy over you. Um, he's Or the drummer's going to come up and he's got lots of words of knowledge for people to be healed. So um as he's given the words of knowledge put your hand up and then he's going to pray and you're going to get healed and and there were it was like a year of being dropped in it like that constantly um because I, I especially the first few times it happened i was sitting there and he would say the drummer's got prophetic words for lots of people in the room and i'd be playing and thinking the drummer hasn't got any words for anybody <laughs> in the room, you know and and this is the last thing that i want to do now get up in front of all these people but so that that I think that year broke something, if you like, um, because I always grew up thinking, even in a little group of people, I wouldn't want to say anything. If somebody asked me, what do you think? I, I, would, I wouldn't want to say anything because I thought, well, people don't want to hear anything that I've got to say or what my opinion might be or anything. Um, so I think that year was really broke something um, and, and a, a kind of sense of, actually, God really does want to, work through my life and and man i can prophesy i mean i've grown up seeing all kinds of things happen on one level um but then this really has to sink in and become really personal for you in your own life and i think that's what was happening during that year i mean i, I still am generally a shy person um if you put me in a room with lots of people i'm not the first to jump up and down and and, and kind of get the attention and obviously in in leadership uh, you have to take the initiative. There's things you have to do, and all of that. And I'm I'm totally comfortable in in that on one level in terms of what I do. Um, but on a on a on a social level, I'm still not like your most outgoing, take the room by the by the the horns sort of person. If you know what I mean. Yeah. That that's must might be to do with being more of an introvert. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. for me, it, it wasn't um, wasn't a journey like that. I I used to. I mean, I was really. I mean, outrageously shy. And I heard myself saying to someone or saying to myself once, oh, I'm just self-conscious. And suddenly those words hit me, self-conscious. I thought, I'm not meant to be self-conscious. I'm meant to be other people conscious. I'm meant to be God conscious. And then worship. Why am I not worshipping in the way I should or the way the Bible encouraged me to? Because I'm self-conscious conscious and I just took the bull by the horns I thought I have to do this thing I have to stop being self-conscious and so I I just did it the other thing that I used to say um that people say well you you can be free to lift up your hands or free to dance or free to whatever or you're free not to and I used to use that I can be free not to and I had another ha-ha moment I thought that's not freedom that freedom is I can do it all and I choose not to and so that hit me too so mine was really hearing the words I was saying and realizing how outrageous it was really so I had to push through I didn't have anybody saying come on you've got a prophetic word I just had to do this thing yeah um uh, you were in ministry for a period of time uh, I guess working quite closely with your dad um mm. how was that uh yeah I mean lots of people ask that question um it's funny you know because my first um thing with he's my he was my dad so that's who he is to me he's my dad um but at the same time he was also my spiritual father in the same way he was for lots of people um and so i i I think because i've always highly highly regarded him honored him i think in terms of his life the way he just lived relentlessly pursuing God and wanting others to come into all that they could, they can be in God. And that was his heart. That was his life. And, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, people ask me this sort of question and I kind of detach myself a little bit. Um, so I, he, he's not just my dad, but I look at his life thinking, okay, if he wasn't my dad, how would I see his life? And I'd still see it in the same way that he was just relentless in pursuing God. And, and I think that he was just such a great example of how you love God, um, how you love your family and, and how you love people uh, actually. And um, so it was a, it was a privilege to to just work with him uh alongside him uh constantly being taught the word because i mean he's he's you know his primary thing was an incredible teacher of the word and the breadth of subjects the breadth of the word so i think just the the foundations the things that are built on those foundations the knowledge of the word the knowledge of god what it's like to walk with god relate to i think that was just brilliant working with him, and um, and his outlook was always, "What's God doing next? Where are we going next? What's he doing next?" It, he never parked, he never stopped, 
it was it wasn't just let's just let's just enjoy now and get lost in the moment it was like god's on the move but where's he going now so that we follow him you know in that sense so i always wanted to push forward and i think that's just put this dna in myself i know a lot of my our leadership team and our, our staff team and a lot of people in the church there is this this spirit of faith and revival this pursuit of god this relentless we're going after god and his purposes uh because what's going on around us is not the fulfillment of what he wants to see happening there's so much more of god to discover so much more of who he is to see released around our lives and in the nation and beyond so i think that that is what i've just um not just glean, but I suppose live in the good of because of his his life and, and working with him. Yeah, mm. you you mentioned uh, his his perspective in terms of you know what's next and not just doing something necessarily for the sake of doing it and carrying it on just because you can. Um, and we I want to get to what you're doing now, but I just want to ask about uh, people that don't know you. You used to head up one of the big camps in the UK and uh, recently decided you know we're gonna stop doing those um mm. that decision like how hard was that decision um and i'm sure what you just said about your dad kind of played into your decision to stop doing it but could you talk a bit about that decision sure um when faith camp started in 1983 um my dad always said um when when god tells us to stop we'll stop and and we're not going to have a big emotional attachment to it in that sense. And the beginning of 2018, I think for a year or two, we kind of sense faith camp was probably coming to an end. Um, and beginning of 2018, God really clearly spoke to us and said, this, this year is to be the last year. And he said, if you carry on faith camp, it will get in the way of what I'm doing, not serve it. Mm. And and you've gathered thousands of people for one week for many years, and going forward, what I want you to do is reach many thousands of people every week. And and um, another thing God said to us about why we were to stop faith camp, He said, um, um, "You've got to make room for me to do something completely new." And and we knew that wasn't just about us to do a kingdom faith and faith camp. It was actually a lot of the same types of thing that were going on like that without naming other things. Um, and we had this sense of the day of this type of thing, God's obviously, it's been great for uh, 30, 40 years uh, in that generation of time, but there's a whole new generation of time that is opening up, a new era, if you like, in terms of what God is doing. And so... For us, God clearly spoke to us. Some people thought, well, are you finishing it because financially? And it was like, no, it's, 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 we're shooting ourselves in the foot stopping it financially because it, it brought income into kingdom faith in that sense. So, um, again, it was one of those decisions where God is saying to stop, so we need to stop and we've got to make room for what he's doing. And at the beginning of that year, God um, gave us a, a picture of one large door that was going to shut and after a short period of time a much larger door was going to open and behind that door was going to be many many new things that god was going to be doing and you know when god gives you a word like that you don't know how long the short period of time is because you know <laughs> yeah. and, and actually for us it's been about five years 
And there's some other things that God gave us, given the same thing, speaking the same thing in the same way. He said, I'm going to take you through a few years of, of removing some things, resetting some things to reposition you for what I'm going to be doing. And, and, and on one level, some, it, some of it's going to look like everything's getting smaller and things are going to potentially look like or feel like you're going backwards. But actually, I'm going to take you through uh, uh, a period of time where, yeah, basically, I'm going to remove, reset, and reposition so that you're ready for a fresh move of God that, that is coming. And I mean, our understanding uh, in terms of revival is God doesn't just send revival in, in the sense of people praying and just saying, God, send revival, send revival. It's like God, God revives people. He revives you. He revives me as part of his, 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 his purpose, as part of what he's doing. And as he's doing something sovereign in his people, as we respond to him and we, and we press into God and allow him to work and revive our hearts and lives, he then begins to do something sovereign around us. And I, I think when we read past stories and history of revival, we often look at the sovereign bit of what is happening but without fully understanding what went on before what we call the sovereign move of God was happening. And, and I believe that we're in a we're in a period of time now where God is preparing, making ready, sifting, working, reviving the church, his people. And some of that is is removing some things. So for us, Faith Camp was removing something. Um, our training, we've had a residential Bible college for 35 years and God clearly spoke to us at the beginning of 2020 before COVID and said, this is the last year you're going to run your residential Bible college. You, you're still going to train people, but I want you to I want you to pause some of your training for a period of time uh, while you continue to go through what I'm doing. And then as you come out the other side, as this much larger door opens the way you train and what you train people for will be for what I'm doing in this new era, this new generation of time. And um, so even, so we, we, we shut the Bible school or, or made that decision, COVID hit, and we couldn't actually finish that particular year. So again, it was a removing of something uh, in, in that sense. And we've changed the way a lot of things in the life of the church, again, removing some things, resetting some things, this discipleship pathway that we've been putting in place over the last four or five years is partly, again, getting ready for, for what God is doing. He spoke to us about you need to become a disciple-making disciples church. It, it, move away from going to church, a going-to-church model to a go-and-make-disciples culture and lifestyle. And so we've been working through that. What does that mean? What does that look like? It's not that we weren't making disciples, but we obviously weren't doing it in the way that God wants. And I think this is all, all part of make room in your lives, make room in how you are, because I can't release my spirit in the way that I want to, because if you're not ready for the harvest that is coming, um, then you're not going to be able to bring it in. You're not going to be able to disciple what is happening. And, and this might sound a bit of a, um, a thing to say, but at this moment, I don't believe in the UK, I don't believe there is one church at this moment that is ready for what God is going to do. 
in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, we are we are not ready yet. If, if, if God released his spirit in the way that we are praying for him to release it, and he released his spirit today like that, we, would, we wouldn't have a clue what to do with everybody getting born again, the problems in people's lives that they're coming with, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I think we're in, a, a, we're in a, a few years of, of God shifting, preparing, working in us, um, are you going to face the cost? This is what it's really going to look like. This is going to be this is going to be all or nothing. It's going to be all hands on deck. The big ships of of what have represented the church are beginning to sink, and that the tide is rising, and it's and all the lifeboats are going out, and they're going to multiply, and it's going to be just a multiplication of, of lifeboats reaching people, discipling people, and it's going to be so so different than what we we've, we've known. Um, over the last decade, uh, the last uh, generation of time, and and God is shifting things, and and we just want to respond to whatever that means in our in our own lives, and, and to make room, uh, open our homes in different ways, and, and all of that. So, yeah, sorry to splurge, but uh, no, you know, no, it's, it's, it's good. I yeah, think but you know. we're in an era too where God has flipped. Um, in the nations. I mean, we used to feel we had everything to give the East. Now, in terms of discipleship, multiplication, revival, etc., it's the East that can show us the way in the West. Um, under severe persecution, uh, discipleship happens, revival happens, people pay the price, they're lost. I hate saying that, the lost, the unchurched, those who don't know Jesus. Yeah. And they see a church prepared to pay the price, and, and they, they're mm. looking for that. And um, when we look in our nation, I mean, our, we're not persecuted by a long way, but there is opposition. Um, sure, temperature's rising. The temperature is rising. Do, do you yeah. see a correlation between... What is unfolding in our nation? The promise of God for revival. Yeah, I, 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 I think when you look at the history of revivals and the state of the nation or nations, and then in the midst of what seems absolute chaos and ungodliness, so you know God begins to move uh, because somewhere there's a remnant in there praying, seeking God, and 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 God in His mercy. Uh, begins to move in, in a way that transforms either regions or affects a whole nation, and I and I think just where we are in our nation at this moment, there there is on the whole no regard for God no. Um, in 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 the media, in the government, in in the culture. In that sense, yes, there are Christians in those respective places working and doing amazing things, jobs in that sense, um, but. You know, the darker the the darker the hour, um, the stronger we're going to see God at work and move. And 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 we, we obviously, as as a nation, still haven't got to the point where we need to drop to our knees and say, "God, where are you?" Um, things are still going to get worse, I think, for a period of time. Um, maybe as the church, and I know I know various people and groups that are pressing into God, praying and fasting and, and, and everything because they know that the time that we're in um, and, and, and that's what it needs. So I, I think we are, it, there's going to be a clash of, 
of the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of, of light. There's going to be a clash increasingly in the next five or ten years because I think as the church, we're going to have to we're going to have to stand in this nation in a way that a lot of us probably never thought we would have into in, in this nation, you know, uh, because of where things are going. Um, and uh, uh, that 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 call to intimacy with Jesus is going to be absolutely essential for people to be able to stand in the days ahead uh, in terms of what's going to be happening and uh, to be deeply rooted in a relationship with God, to know his voice, to know who he is, to hear his voice in all the noise of all the others. And, um, and, and I think part of that, that God is doing in the church, he, he wants the, the, the authority of his word back in the church. Uh, um, so that we actually say God's word is, you know, the authority of, of, of God in terms of how we should live and how we need to be as a nation. So I think, I think we're going to see a, a more and more clashes um, as we go forward in the church. Maybe the church that really believes and is moving and living in the power of the Holy Spirit, and maybe there'll be a church that doesn't really fully believe and is certainly not moving in the power of the Spirit, and we see an even clearer separation if you like between the church that is alive and moving in the things of god and the church that is really not and um and how the nation will be impacted through a church that is really alive and moving in the life and power of the spirit going forward so i think we're probably going to see that in the next five or ten years as well a clear divide in the in in the in the church when i say the the church all across denominations and everything else as to what that's going to look like going forward. Yeah, and I guess as an example of what we're seeing now in the increase in, in temperatures for people that don't know in other countries, there was uh, uh, someone recently in England who was uh, actually standing outside an abortion clinic, but um, she was praying just in her head, and the uh, police approached her and said, what are you doing? And she was just standing there in silence, and uh, they said, are you, are you praying? And... Uh, she said, uh, yeah, I might be in my mind. I think she said something like that. I might be in my head. But she wasn't Mm -hmm. saying anything even out loud. And she was arrested for for potentially praying in her mind. And so, you know, this is kind of where we're at at the minute in the UK uh, in terms of us saying, you know, the temperatures are rising. And, you know, you're right, there's going to be a time where, you know, are you in a church which is happy to be there in times of freedom or are you in a church which is happy to be there in times of opposition and uh, those are two very different different things and the way they they maybe operate but uh, you know are you willing to pay a price for for what you believe in and and like you say that's the direction we're going in um, now and in the next few years it's going to get um, harder and harder um, you can so Clive, as we get towards the end for people listening if you were going to give a message, and I use the, a, a word, as it were, to the church, and I'm, you know, the people um, listening as part of the body of Christ, and, and this goes out right across the world. If you were going to give a message to them and something to close with directly to the Church of Jesus worldwide, what would it be? Um. 
I think I would say your your life matters in terms of to God and his purposes, the choices you make, the way you live, and the way you serve God really matters in this time and in this day. And intentional obedience, living a yielded life, uh, living a fasted life is going to be so important going forward. And so I'd encourage every person cultivate intimacy with Jesus, spend time with him and with others, learning how to hear his voice, make sure you are deeply rooted in the word because there's going to be a lot that is going to want to try and um, get us off the truth and teach us what, as it says in uh, Timothy, what some itching ears would want to hear. So we want to be deeply rooted in the word. And, and if we're cultivating intimacy with God, being rooted in the word and, and yielding and being totally dependent on the Holy Spirit, then he can lead us day by day in the life that he has for us to be the witnesses to all those around us that he uh, that he wants us to be. So that's, I think, just in a, trying to be practical in that sense. Um, spend time every day. Respond to that call to intimacy, be in the word, build relationships with the body, pray together, and then whatever God says, do it. Clive, thank you so much. There, there are a lot of areas that we could dive into, and maybe we can have you sure. back sometime to, to talk about some other things, but really sure. appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Yeah, and you, for people listening, the links that were mentioned before, they're in the description box. So uh, go and check those out and hear some of the other things. And, that they're putting and we'd out like there. to hear too in the comments below. What was one thing that impacted you that Clive said that would make a difference in your life and for others maybe who are reading those comments? Go, go put them below. We'd love to see them. Yeah. So Clive, thank you so much. Great. Bless you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode. Remember, if it inspired you, share it with others so we can see more people engaged in this community.